Well, good morning, church. How are you doing today? So I just want to say in advance that I've been um, suffering from a very intense like sinus infection. And so if I seem a little off, it's because I feel like I'm in a dream right now. Just FYI. Every time I have to preach when I'm sick, I always go and watch uh, Michael Jordan's flu game footage. I don't know if you remember that. He plays the flu game. But then I remember I'm not Michael Jordan, so then I just feel discouraged. I won't be able to do as good as him when I'm not feeling well. Um, but we start a new series this morning. And I'm really excited about it because we've never really done anything quite like this. Um, In this sermon series, what we've done, we've entitled it The Struggle Bus. And um, kind of our aim in this series was we went out and we literally surveyed um, you and our church and also the people in our community at large. And we asked one simple question. We said, what do you see as your biggest struggles in life? And we didn't give you options to choose from. We wanted it all in your own voice, we wanted you to say it the way that kind of you feel it. And so we got a lot of responses, and we went through all those responses, and we basically came up with the top five things that people in our community and in our church listed as their biggest struggles in life. And so we entitled this sermon series, The Struggle Bus, Biblical Answers for Human Problems. And over the next five weeks, we'll be speaking on the different struggles that you all mentioned in the survey that we took. And today's title is simply this, God's Answer for Anxiety. And I'm preaching on anxiety this morning because of all the things that were mentioned, number one, far and away, the top thing listed by most people in terms of what is your biggest struggle in life, it was anxiety or worry. Uh, That takes many different forms. People say, you know, I I have a hard time trusting God with my future or um, I just have a lot of just kind of constant worry that runs through my mind. I'm kind of always uneasy about things. I have a hard time trusting that God's going to come through for me. But it was the number one thing listed. And as we begin this morning, I just want to kind of quickly maybe define what I mean when I say anxiety. And I know many of you in this room, um, like myself, struggle with this. Um, most doctors would classify anxiety as a fear, worry, or uneasiness about potential bad outcomes or situations to the full point that it begins to affect your ability to function in everyday situations. And so worry is a, is a natural thing. It's, it's normal to, to worry about things. But it's whenever your worry begins to negatively impact your ability to function in the everyday. And so maybe that's like a social anxiety, an anxiety about your work where you, you worry about it so much that it like negatively impacts your ability to do your job or to raise your kids or to be a good spouse in your marriage. And I was reading some uh, statistics this week, and um, I know many people say that even in our day and age, anxiety is, is worse than ever. Let me give you a few reasons why people say that. The first thing is this, and this probably will not shock you. Um, people who live in big cities tend to have more anxiety. So who, who here would be shocked by hearing that? Yeah, probably nobody, right? People that live in big cities uh, tend to have more anxiety. But the problem with that is that in America today, 85% of people live in a big city. It's just the way the life is nowadays, right? We all say we want to move away to a rural part of the, ta- uh, the, the country, but we all end up still living in cities, right? There's all the benefits, all the good things about it, all the people that we love 
And so if living in a big city causes you anxiety and we find that most people um, in our nation live in a big city, then what that would say is that people probably more than ever struggle with anxiety. I would also say the internet increases anxiety. Maybe you've experienced that a little bit. Um, We love all the information, but the problem is a lot of that information, it worries us, right? As soon as something bad happens in the world, it goes all the way around the world very quickly. We know about bad things the instant that they happen. We, we will find out about bad things that are going on in the world, and the situation isn't even resolved yet. It could be all the way up in New York or Washington. It could be in China, but we know about it because of the Internet. There's more things to see and to worry about. And I would also add social media to that mix, right? We already were insecure enough about our lives and what was going on, and then we have social media, which basically just opens up this doorway to see... Um, all the great things that are happening in everybody else's life, and yet your life feels pretty normal or pretty bad. And so social media makes us feel better about the lives of other people, but then at the same time, worse about our lives. And yet this morning, I want to be clear that anxiety does not disqualify you from following Jesus. It also does not make you less spiritual than somebody else. Anxiety is like any other problem, any other issue in our life or faith. It's something to be acknowledged. It's something to, um, to be owned. Like, yes, I struggle with this. And it's something by the grace of God to be dealt with. And so if you're here this morning and you, you struggle with anxiety or constant worry in your life, I want you to know that Jesus cares about that. And that he or we here at this church are not here judging you this morning because of the things that you deal with. Our text this morning is proof in and of itself that Jesus loves us even when we have anxiety. And that Jesus has a plan and an answer for us in the moments when we do have anxiety. And yet, as I mentioned um, online and also last week, um, this sermon for me is, is probably going to be um, the most personal sermon I've, I've ever preached as a pastor. I've been a pastor for about five years now, and um, I've never probably preached a sermon like this where it's going to be like, you know, half sermon, but also half just my story. And I'm excited to share this with you, um, not because it's a happy-go-lucky story, um, but just because I, I like being honest with you. I, I like even as a pastor getting up here, um, I feel very comforted by letting you know that I don't have it all together. But the stuff that I'm preaching this morning, I've experienced. I've been through it. Um, in many ways, I'm, I'm still walking through it. And yet God is, is blessing me on that journey. And I hope that he will bless you as well. But really quickly, and it's going to be a few minutes, but um, I want to share with you kind of my story of stuff that I've gone through uh, within this past year. Um, and to give you a little background on me, and some of you, you know me, so you know this, but many of you don't. I am like the classic definition of a stuffer, right? Like I don't talk about my feelings. I don't usually acknowledge my feelings. Um, raise your hand if you're kind of a stuffer kind of person, right? You just don't talk about it. You may be raised that way, just kind of your personality. You know, feelings are irrelevant. That's kind of how you view it, right? And that's how I was at well. as well. I didn't talk about it. Um, I didn't, you know, if stuff was going on in my soul, I just kind of kept a smile on my face, Um, Never let him see you sweat. That was kind of my mantra. And that was how I lived my life. Uh, I've also always been, uh, for better or for worse, kind of a a confident person. Uh, I became the pastor here at White Oak when I was, I think, 24 years old. 
And um, even though I was young and dumb and knew nothing, um, I, had, I was like, man, we can do this. This is awesome, you know? I've never done this before, but, you know, we're going to do this and it's going to be great. I always had this mindset that, you know, no matter what, it's going to be good and it's going to work out. And my first few years of, of being a pastor, I, I had some worry and I had some normal things, but, but nothing too bad, nothing too serious, nothing that I would have even classified as anxiety. And yet as the church grew, I would do more counseling. And as I did more counseling with people and got closer to people, they would open up to me about their life and their struggles. And what I began to find was that whenever you walk with people through their valleys, it can be a very difficult and a very draining thing. And you're walking with people and they're they're going through things and you just want to make it all better for them. You want to heal them overnight. And yet very often as you're counseling people, it's a journey and you're walking with them, but you just can't make it better. And so you're kind of just hanging out in the valley with them together. And it was probably the beginning of last summer where in my life there was like this perfect storm that kind of just came together um, over my life. Um, I was walking with um, a few different people in our church who were going through some personal things and counseling. And, you know, the thing about counseling is it's all, you know, in confidentiality. And so as you're walking with people, I'm not telling everyone about their stuff. And so, you know, at any given moment, someone could be really walking with people through things and, and you would never know it. And so, uh, but it just seemed to be this one really crazy season where there was a lot of things going on, um, a lot of counseling going on, a lot of people working through some very, very heavy things. And I began to, to notice that I was kind of becoming more tired. I have like that foggy brain thing, you know, just constantly. I have it right now because I'm sick, but that's normal, right? But even when I wasn't sick, you know, I was like kind of just foggy brained. I was like just kind of always had a lot on my plate. I would get kind of tired more often than I used to. And really what was going on was I had stress, but once again, I just never thought about it. I never dealt with it. I just kept pressing on. And that's probably what so many of you are doing today. You're just pressing on. You're just ignoring it. And so there was one day in particular where I had a couple really um, intense kind of counseling sessions and walking with people. Um, the church had a lot of things going on at the time. We've always got new projects and initiatives, and we were trying to push those forward. And if I remember correctly, it was also, I think, um, I think Lindsay was out that week, and so I I was the idiot who said, I'm going to do both the preaching and the music for the Sunday service. And so uh, walking with people, doing the preaching and the music that week, getting ready for everything, um, just ignoring the, the signs that were going off in my life. And at the end of the day, I was running late. I hopped in my car. I was racing home because it was date night with my wife, and I wanted to be a good husband. And so as I'm heading back to the house, I'm trying to, like, you know, perk myself up, you know, slapping myself in the face, you know, trying to get up. And as I'm heading home, I just start feeling really weird. Like, I, I've never felt like this ever in my life. And this weird kind of pain in my eye. And um, I'm going home, and the only way I can describe it was, it was almost as if my body was trying to crash. That, that's the only way I can describe it. And I got home, and I thought maybe I'm just hungry, I need to eat something. So I ate something really quick. And as I sat down in the couch in our living room, um, and we were also buying a new house at the time, so we had all that stress going on as well, I sat down on that couch, and all of a sudden, like, I knew something was wrong. I felt, like, really weird. I felt like my, my heart began to race, 
It felt as if like my brain was trying to literally jump out of my head. And I'd never had anything like this before, so I thought I was having a heart attack. 28 years old, and I think I'm having a heart attack, right? So I get in the car with Halsey. We go to um, the emergency room. Um, you know, once again, I've always been perfectly healthy, but, man, something is going on in my life. And we go to the emergency room, and it's really embarrassing for her because she actually works at the emergency room. And so we roll into this emergency room, which is also her place of work at Memorial Hermann Greater Heights. And all of her coworkers see her with her husband coming in. And, you know, I was awake and I was aware and everything, but I just knew something was off. And so they began to kind of run a bunch of tests, and they said, you know, you look fine. Like, you, you're okay, your blood pressure's a little bit high, but you look fine. But I knew that everything was not fine. I, I knew that something had happened. And so when we got home that night and the next day, I felt a little bit tired but a little bit better, and I started doing some research online. And um, I, I realized that what I had most likely was a, was a panic attack or an anxiety attack. And it's crazy. I literally did not ever know. I never knew what that was. I didn't know those existed. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, if I had, I would have saved myself a massive ER bill, right? Because I would have known that's what was hap- happening to me, right? But I didn't know, once again, because I never thought about those kind of things. That, that just wasn't who I was, right? I would never have an anxiety attack. So what, why would I even need to know what that is? And yet a couple days later, I started feeling better, and I did, you know, one of the stupidest things of my life. I just said, okay, that was a one-off thing. I'm going to keep pressing forward. And so um, I knew that I was having issues because I I even went to a doctor, and they told me, you probably have anxiety. That's probably what we think you have. And they were like, you shouldn't do the preaching. You shouldn't do the music this week. You're a pastor. You're at higher risk for these kinds of things. You just take the weekend off and relax. And so what do you think I did? I ignored what she said, right? And I did the preaching, and I did the music, and I kept up my normal pace of life. And I began to feel a little bit better. And yet, um, as time went on, I kind of began to then start feeling a little bit worse. And then as if all that was not enough and all these things happening, right? Because the church was doing good, and the church was, was growing, and, and things were good on that end, right? But, but I wasn't flourishing in a lot of ways. And so then, about probably a month or two later, we began to have some more things happen within our city and within our church. We, um, we lost a very dear friend, uh, someone that meant a lot to many of us here in the church, uh, kind of out of nowhere. And many of us took that very hard. And then uh, a week later, Hurricane Harvey hit Houston. Maybe you remember that. Uh, the greatest natural disaster, they say, that has ever hit Houston that's on record. And so many of us, just from that, just from everything that was going on, we were all dealing with a bunch of anxiety. And eventually all those things kind of got a little bit better, and it felt like we were getting back into somewhat of a a normal rhythm of life. And I remember, this was the worst part of it, I remember I had a really good day. I felt really good. I thought everything was back on track. I was back to the normal me, and I was going to bed that night. And I remember I ate Chipotle, which I don't think that has anything to do with it, but I ate Chipotle, right? And right after I ate Chipotle, I started feeling really bad, right? Uh, that has nothing to do with the story, right? But I just remember that because I remembered that day. And um, as I was heading to bed, I started to get this really weird pain in my stomach. And as I went to bed, I began to feel like I was having another panic or anxiety attack. And yet this time I knew what it was, but this time it was worse. And so my wife was just there with me, and we, we got through it, and it was okay. 
But the, the reason why it was different this time was because the next day when I woke up, I wasn't just able to go back to being my normal self. I had that second panic attack about a couple months later, and this time I literally had no appetite for like two weeks. And I've been healthy my whole life. Everything has been normal. I had no appetite for like two weeks. I lost probably about 10 pounds in that two-week span. A few days later, I had a, another panic attack, but now I'm becoming a pro, so I know how to handle them now, right? So I kind of knew what was going on, right? And this one was not as bad, just to be honest. But I just noticed that something in me was changing. I would have problems uh, sleeping through the night, which I never had that problem before. Like I would sleep maybe three or four hours, and I would immediately just wake up out of nowhere. And it was at that moment that we, we ran more tests, but everything was fine. And they said, John, we, we think you're okay. We just think that you have anxiety. And it was at that moment, after I'd been through all of that, that I really began to say, you know what, maybe I should really start to begin to take this seriously. And I began praying to the Lord about this issue, and I began seeking counsel as to a lot of the things that I was going through. And what I can tell you today is that when I began to actually handle what was going on inside of me, the Lord did a great work in my life. Today I stand before you, though I'm sick and not feeling super well today, I'm almost back to normal. I'm almost back to where I was before. And it's interesting because the whole time I kept looking for some kind of a, a medical solution or something that was going on. I thought just something we just had to change something, give me some vitamins, like something is off. And the whole time, literally the Lord was just speaking to me, John, you're not trusting me with these things in your life. And it's messing you up. And that's what I think the Lord is speaking to many of you today, is that there's things in your life that you're not trusting him with, and it's messing you up. And yet I learned three things through my battle with anxiety. Number one, I learned this, that my need for the gospel was far greater than I could have ever imagined. I used to think it was like maybe the gospel plus some of my hard, tenacious work. And yet through this season, God reminded me that even when I'm weak, he can still do great things through me. I don't need my hard work plus Jesus. I just need Jesus. The second thing I learned is that tribulations, if handled correctly, can actually make you a better person. I stand before you today, I believe, as so much of a better pastor because of what I went through. When I talk to people, I can relate, I can empathize, I can understand where people are coming from. I believe even our tribulations are things in which God can do a great work in our life if we will allow him to do the work in us. And the third thing I learned is this is that God has an answer for anxiety that works. I've made much progress. I've learned a lot about myself. And I've learned firsthand that everything that Jesus says in the text that we're going to read today is so vitally true, not just in our lives in general, but I think specifically in the world that we live in today. But before we dive in this morning, I want to tell you this, that what we're going to talk about today, it's going to be very deep. What I'm not going to offer you today is I'm not just going to sprinkle a few hopeful Bible verses on your problems and then just hope that everything goes away. I believe that whenever people say they struggle with worry, which in our survey, almost everyone said that was one of their major problems. They struggle with worry and anxiety. But what we need to realize is that our anxiety has very deep roots, that there's reasons why we're experiencing that. There's reasons why we're worrying so much. 
There's something deep in us. And so we have to go deep to resolve these problems. And so I believe that some of the things that I'll talk about today, you might have never heard someone say in relation to anxiety, but it is truly God's plan. So after my long story, I just wanted you to know where I was coming from. Let's look back at our text in Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at verse 25. I'm going to give you four things today that I believe are God's answer to anxiety. Look at verse 25. It says, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And then look at verse 27. He says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Whenever we come to places of anxiety in our lives or we're dealing with worry, the first thing that Jesus calls us to do, and it might sound simple, it might sound basic, but it is deeply so profound, it is this. We are to surrender all things to Jesus. We are to surrender all things to Jesus. And I say this because if you look at our text, Jesus mentions several different things. He mentions, you know, your span of life. He mentions your clothing, what you will wear, what you will eat. He begins to list out different examples of things that people could potentially worry about. And I think he does this because I think what happens oftentimes, I think the reason why we get confused about our anxiety is like maybe we have certain things surrendered to the Lord, but not other things. And so maybe we trust him with our money, but we don't trust him with our future. Maybe we, we trust him with our relationship, but we don't trust him with our work situation. In Mark chapter 10, there's a story of the, the rich young ruler. I love that story. And it's this guy that comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments, and he lists some things out. You know, do this, do that, do this, do that. And the rich young ruler says, Jesus, I do all those things. And Jesus says, I know you do all those things, but one thing you do not do. He says, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And this guy is so addicted to his money that he doesn't even argue with Jesus. He just walks away and doesn't follow Jesus. And I think that's an important story because I think what it shows us is that many times in our lives, um, we can be trusting Jesus in certain areas, and yet it only takes one or two things in our lives to ruin us. And what, so what you need to do is in your life, whatever you're worried about, you must realize that where you worry is where you're weak. Where we worry is where we're weak. And so the places in your life where you're worried are places that Jesus is telling you you're weak there. You're weak in faith in those areas. Yeah, I, I know you trust me with that other stuff, but, but do you trust me with, with that thing? I've heard it said, I love this, that worry is the check engine light of your soul. That the things that we worry about in life the most, the things that are constantly on our minds are the places where Jesus is telling us up front, you've got something that you really need to surrender to me. And so my question to you this morning is, what is that thing for you? What is the thing that you worry about in your life? What is the thing that you're anxious about? What is the thing that you're stressed about? Jesus is speaking to you today. 
that you need to surrender that thing to him. That we can have peace, but we cannot have peace and also hold on to the illusion of control. God is good and he loves you and he wants to provide for you. But you will not have this peace if you're holding on to this thing with everything in you. And so we must surrender all things to Jesus. Anything that we're worried about, anything that we're anxious about. In verse 25, he says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, he says. And by saying do not be anxious, what he's really saying is, surrender these things to me. So the first thing is that we surrender all things to Jesus. But the second thing is this, refocus on the kingdom in times of anxiety. Look at verse 25. Jesus says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I, I like this when Jesus says this because it's kind of like, it might, it's like snarky Jesus, right? It's like Jesus, you know, I think sometimes we, we view Jesus as just like a, like a nice hippie guy wearing a dress, just like walking around everywhere, like spouting out like encouraging verses and like he's afraid to get into confrontation. He's really nice and he's petting lambs and you know, that's just kind of what he does. Or just a really, really nice guy. That's what we think of when we think of Jesus, right? And yet Jesus has this way of like saying comments that like at first you get really offended by them, but then you're like, oh, he's right, you know? Like, I can't believe he would say that, you know? And it's like, well, but he's right. And so he should have said that. And you needed to know that. It's like he's talking to people who have anxiety. He's talking to people who are worrying. And one of the first things that he says is, I know you're worrying about these things, but is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And so not only do we surrender things to Jesus, but in the places where we're having anxiety, Jesus comes to your life and says, is not life more than that thing? Is that thing that you're like, you're, you're worrying about constantly, is that really as important as you think? Even some of the most important things in our life, like God's like, can I not still do a work in your life even if these things happen? Have I not said that I work all things together for good? You see, I think that the problem that we forget when it comes to our anxiety oftentimes is that Jesus doesn't just want to fix our problems. Jesus wants to fix your focus. And I believe anxiety often comes in our life when our life gets out of focus with what's really important. I experienced this when I was going through some of the things that I went through. Like I remember, um, you know, it's like whenever things are not going well, you just kind of think about yourself a lot, don't you? You're always thinking about your life and you're always thinking about what you're going through. You're always thinking about your problems and you think about it. And then you think some more about it. And then you think some more about it. And it's almost as if Jesus comes in and says, like, literally part of your problem is you are focused on the wrong things. You see, community is one of those things that helps us to weakly fix our focus on what is important. Church, we're gathered here today not just to sing some songs and to hear a sermon. Like, in this moment, we are fixing our focus on Jesus like, we're, we're, we're reading the words that he said, like, right now. Like, I don't know what you're thinking about, but you're probably thinking something about what Jesus says about anxiety. Even in this moment, it's beautiful. Like, you're, you're focusing on what is good in this life, on what is true, on what can help you. 
when we sing these songs like the, the reckless love of God, like we're fixing our focus on the fact that he loves us, that he'll do anything to come after us and to have a relationship with us. We're, we're fixing our focus in this moment. When you're in your community group, right, yeah, you could be doing a bunch of different things. You, you could be wasting your time a bunch of different ways, but you're gathering with the people of God and you're encouraging each other and you're reading the scriptures together. You're, you're fixing your focus in that moment. And that's what Jesus says in verse 32 of our text. He says, for the Gentiles seek after all these things that you're worried about. The Gentiles, the people that are, that are not with me, they're, all, they're seeking all these things. And your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Jesus says, your focus is often the problem when you deal with anxiety. I remember uh, one of the things that was so helpful to me when I was um, going through some of my stuff was just like, I had such great community within this church. I had my wife, obviously, who's a good friend of mine. Um, my best friend, by the way, yeah. Uh, I love you, too. Uh, I had James, one of my best friends, the guy that I, I pastored this church with. Like, I was telling him what was up. I was telling Lindsay, our worship leader, I would, in staff meetings, I wasn't hiding it. I was like, man, this is kind of what I'm going through. You know, I'm going through some stuff. And I was telling people. I remember being in um, one of our community groups and just talking about what was going on. I'm with the pastor over here, like, talking about things that I'm going through. But the guys were so encouraging in my life, and just knowing that they knew what was going on it was so helpful for me. But not only that, but as I was in a community group, it was like this amazing opportunity where I could hear about what God was doing in other people's lives. See, sometimes you just need something that kind of gets you out of your own head for a moment. Community is a wonderful thing, and I think the reason why I was able to overcome so much of it so quickly was because of the wonderful community that was around me. Community helps to fix your focus. Look at verse 34 when he says, um, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. What Jesus says in that moment is to focus on the present. He says to fix your focus. Another thing I, I learned during this season and you might have never heard this before, but one of the convictions that I'm strongly coming to is that very often I believe that anxiety can be the voice of, of Satan in our lives. That the same way in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve, they fall, when God put them in the garden and told them not to eat of the fruit, and then the serpent comes along and begins saying, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of that fruit? Did God really say that's what he wanted you to do? Is God really just holding out on you? Like that, that voice that kind of makes you begin to doubt all the good things that God has told you kind of comes into your mind. I believe often that is the enemy speaking to you. And when you realize that, you can acknowledge that and you can ignore that voice. It's like God has told you that it's going to be good. God has told you that he's going to be with you. The whole story of scripture is like even when people make mistakes, God always comes through for them. The entire Bible is God reaffirming that he loves us and he's with us even when we make mistakes. He says, I have a plan and a future for you. King David says in Psalm 16, the lines have fallen in pleasant places for me. I have a beautiful inheritance in the Lord. But then there's like that voice in your head. And it's like, did God really say that everything was going to work out? Did God really say that he was going to take care of you? Did God really say 
that you're going to get to that place in life that God told you you were going to go to? Did God really say that he was going to redeem your marriage when it was broken? You see, the word of God is the place where we fix our focus because it exposes the lies of the enemy. And so Jesus says the second thing is to refocus on the kingdom in times of anxiety. Let's move on to verse 26. Just a couple more things. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And I love this verse. Because although up to this point we've talked about two critical things, and these are, these are deep things, right? Like whenever you struggle with anxiety, like you, you need to surrender those things to the Lord to find peace. You need to trust him with it. And you also need to refocus your life. Like you need to refocus um, the things that you're giving your mind and your attention and your drive to when you have anxiety. But there is a promise of provision. And that's the amazing thing about it this morning. So the third thing is this, prepare for provision. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a child of God, God promises that he will provide. This is not just a surrender it to God and, you know, it it might not go well, it might not end well, but just surrender it anyway so you get a little peace. You know, there's no guarantee he's going to come through. No, no. In the scriptures, there is a promise of provision that Jesus gives us. In fact, the reason why we do surrender to him is because he does promise to provide. And that's what Jesus says. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't get anything together. And your heavenly father, he feeds them. He provides. In verse 28, he says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus says, oh, you're worried about clothing? He will clothe you. In verse 33 it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says that as we surrender and as we seek him, that he does provide for us. And yet here is often the problem, and this is what I learned through what I went through, is that if you don't surrender to God, you can't see his provision. If you're not surrendered to him, you can't see his provision because like all you're seeing is what you kind of wish you would actually see. You want this thing to work a a certain way, and God's going to provide, but you know what? It might be a little bit different than you think. I've heard it said that surrender is the process by which we see God's provision in our life. That the moment that you are surrendered to him is the moment when you can actually see what he's doing in your life. And so often God's blessing us, he's providing for us through community and through people and through circumstances, new things he's doing in our life, and yet we're missing it the whole time because we're looking for this one specific thing. Church, I want you to know today that as you surrender, 
and as you seek the kingdom, God will provide for you. It's a guarantee in Scripture. And God tells us ultimately to surrender because he is going to provide for us. Two of the most amazing theologies of the church is, number one, that God is sovereign, meaning that he controls all things, the Bible says. And number two, that he is good, that he controls all things, and he loves you. And all of our lives are just one testimony after another of how God has always come through for us. And even in ways that were far better than we originally hoped that he would. And so, church, we surrender to him. We refocus on the kingdom, and we get ready for the provision that Jesus is promising to bring us. And so as we draw to a close, I'm going to offer you one more scripture this morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me there. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen behind me. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Paul says this to the church, and he's writing this to a people, and they're going through a lot of different things. They've got the ups and the downs of their life. And he says in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So he's really emphasizing that point. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts in your minds, in Christ Jesus. And church, this is the last thing this morning. Worship while you wait. I think when we worry, we always forget about worship. You see, worship reminds us how good God is. Worship reminds us that um, God has come through for us so many times in our life. And even today, if you're waiting for some kind of provision or if you're waiting for God to do something, don't forget to worship Him and enjoy Him while you wait. You see, worship wages war on anxiety. Anxiety can't have you when you're worshiping God. When you're focused on him and what he's done and his goodness and his love for you. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Like, no matter what you're going through, rejoice in him. Yet again, I will say, rejoice. He says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the world knows nothing of this. To have something so good in your life that you sing about it, to have something so good in your life as a relationship with Jesus where sometimes you just sit down and you just think about it for a while. To have something so good in your life that you sit down with a pen and paper and you just write out all your blessings, all the good things that he's done. You remember his provision and his goodness. And if you can find the strength in the Lord to literally to worship him and to enjoy him, even when things in your life are not perfect, how profound and otherworldly is that? See, Jesus wants to make a deal with you today. He says, seek me. Seek my kingdom. Seek the things that I've called you to. And watch how the provision follows you in your life. Church, the reason why we should not be anxious is because God loves us. He's real. He's there. And he said he's going to provide for us. He always has, and he always will. And so in closing, when anxiety attacks, surrender everything to him. Refocus on the kingdom. Prepare for the provision that is going to come your way, because you have a promise. And number four, worship while you wait. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. 